Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 367 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. How are you doing? Have you been watching as many Pogue songs on YouTube as me this last week? Thank you so much for joining me today when I return to the streets of Glasgow, organised crime, heroin and murder. But first, I'm delighted that today's episode is sponsored by Aura Frames. The Christmas holidays for our family are all about connecting with loved ones and there's no better way to do that than with a digital picture frame from Aura Frames. Wirecutter called it the best digital photo frame and it's easy to see why they did. You can upload your favourite pics of the family to one frame and relive all those happy moments again. Or share big news like a new addition to the family maybe. So who are you going to surprise with this present this year? For me it's the perfect gift for my mother-in-law as I can easily give her loads of pictures of her grandchildren having fun, which I know she's going to love. Much more than the usual bar salts or similar. She'll use it so much and of course can show it to all her friends, and can keep changing the pictures that she uses. And if that's not personal enough, you can even upload a video message to play on the frame as soon as they plug it in. So the first thing they hear is your voice and how much you love them. Give the perfect gift this holiday season by visiting AuraFrames.com today and get $30 off their best-selling frames with the code TRUECRIME. These frames sell out quickly though, so get yours before they're gone. That's A-U-R-A frames.com with the promo code TRUECRIME. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so let's set some context for today's story with our guest of the month and year game. Top of the UK charts was Clean Bandit with Rockabye. In the US at number five was DJ Snake and friend of the show The Bieber with Let Me Love You. And in Australia, Bon Jovi topped the album charts with This House Is Not For Sale. In the news this month, British TV series The Crown premiered. Another TV series, The Grand Tour, premiered on Amazon Prime Video with Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond and James May. Paul Nuttall was elected as UKIP's new leader, who stood for Parliament, but his claims that he'd lost close personal friends at the Hillsborough disaster, that he'd a PhD, had been on the board of directors at a vocational training charity, and had been a footballer for Tramia Rovers, all of which turned out to be untrue. And finally, this month saw the Croydon tram derailment where seven people died and 61 were injured when a tram derailed close to Sandyland's tram stop in Croydon, South London. So did you guess the month and year? It was November 2016, of course it was. In March 2017 at St Columba Church in Glasgow's May Hill, the funeral of 26-year-old Ewan Johnson took place around four months after his murder. His coffin arrived at the church by horse and carriage. The church was packed and all around were floral tributes with mourners brought to tears by one in particular which read, To the best daddy in the world, I love you so much. I hope you're looking over me. 
The victim's dad, also called Ewan, was let out of jail for the day to join his mum for their son's funeral. Johnson Sr. was serving a six-year sentence imposed in 2014 after he was caught with heroin worth more than £2 million in a Glasgow car park. This was, of course, a day that no parent should ever experience, and in stark contrast to the day of birth when all parents hold out such hope for the innocent child they've just brought into the world. Due to the violent circumstances around Ewan's death, there was lots of high-profile security on the day and a helicopter hovered above the venue to avoid any violence breaking out on this day when respect should always be shown. So what had led to Ewan's parents burying their son at just 26? Ewan, or EJ as he was known and as I will call him throughout this podcast, had been out for dinner with his pal and former Scots guard, 31-year-old Brian McMahon. At 10.46, they had gone to the Red Pepper Kebab House in St Andrews Road in Glasgow, just south of the city centre. What they didn't realise is that while they were eating, they were being watched. A car drove up and down watching them, before finally being up in a car park nearby, where they still had eyes on EJ. Two men then got out of the car and walked past EJ's car, which was parked directly outside the restaurant. At 11.39pm, when the two men left the restaurant and got into their car, the two watchers hurried back to their Aldi and followed as both cars headed west to Kenning Park. This was an area well known to EJ and he was very comfortable as he headed home, chatting to his partner and mum of one of his children, 33-year-old Daniel Caruthers, on the phone. She later explained what happened. He said he was on the way to drop his friend Brian McMahon off and would be home soon. Immediately after he said that, there was a revving of the car and a loud bang. I was shouting, Ewan, are you alright? I don't know what happened. It wasn't until I heard Brian screaming, Ewan, 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 over and over again. I knew that something was wrong. EJ had actually stopped at traffic lights at the junction of Shields Road and Scotland Street in Kenning Park and he'd have barely noticed the Audi Q5 pull up alongside. But then a man got out of the Audi, pulled a gun from his pocket, and fired three shots straight at EJ. The man then calmly got back into the Audi as it screeched away into the chilly Glasgow night. As the shots rang out, EJ hit the accelerator on the car, and the vehicle spurted forward into a barrier, badly damaging the front end of the car. The driver's window was blown away and there was glass everywhere. EJ wasn't moving. Two bullets had hit him in the head, one passed through his brain. The other caused extensive fractures to the bones in his face, including his right cheekbone and eye sockets. The third bullet had missed EJ and hit the rubber seal around the driver's door. The passenger, Brian, was unhurt and called the emergency services, saying that EJ had been shot. He was rushed to the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital in Glasgow and Ewan's mum, Anne, wasn't going to answer the late night call she saw from Brian McMahon which gave her the tragic news. But she did answer and after he told her what had happened she just threw the phone away and raced to the hospital in a taxi. Anne later told how she last spoke to her son on the day that he was shot and she remembered him giving her money to get glasses to the opticians. When Anne got to hospital, his partner Danielle and his dad were already there. Anne said, They told me that my son was dead. I could feel his heart beating, 
but the surgeon said it would be cruel to keep him alive. And with EJ facing such severe injuries, the family gave their permission for his life support machine to be switched off just a few hours after the shooting had taken place. Ewan Johnson was just 26 when he died. There was a huge outpouring of emotion for EJ on social media. One notable post came from his former partner, Linda, who took to social media to speak about her grief. She said, I promise you I will keep care of our daughter. I don't know how I'm going to tell our baby daughter this horrible news. Good night. God bless Ewan. I love you with all my heart. But just why had Ewan been killed? It is believed that EJ was involved in organised crime and at the time of his murder, he was awaiting trial and charges of dealing heroin worth £640,000. And the following year, two men facing that same charge were found guilty of dealing in heroin. One of these men was the passenger in the car when EJ was shot Brian McMahon, who was sentenced to three years and three months in prison after his DNA was found on a bag of drugs worth almost £20,000 recovered from a car in Glasgow in March 2014. The other man, 39-year-old Gary Bradburn, was sentenced to five years and three months for running a drugs factory in his home. The shooting of EJ was believed by police to be related to drugs, and as we hear depressingly often on this podcast, the attack was the latest in a number of shooting incidents linked to rival gangs. But just why EJ himself was targeted was unclear. He wasn't like so many of the arrogant, obnoxious dealers we hear about. He appeared to be very well liked, with no immediate enemies who'd have wanted to hurt him. The police were concerned by this very public shooting in the centre of the city, and Detective Superintendent Jim Kerr appealed for information. Our priority remains tracing whoever is responsible, and a team of highly experienced detectives are working on this murder inquiry. Although we do believe this was a targeted planned attack and Ewan Johnson was the intended target, the shooting was carried out with absolutely no regard for public safety and I completely understand that people will be concerned regarding this. I would stress that everything has been done to track down whoever is responsible for this shooting and this includes a number of officers examining CCTV footage from the area around the scene of the shooting. I'd like to reassure the local communities that there are additional police patrols in the area and anyone with concerns should speak to officers. It is, of course, easy to be critical of the police who have a seemingly impossible job. But in our story today, we are able to see some outstanding police work, which is great to see. After the shooting, the Audi raced off to get away from the scene of the crime, but the erratic driving and the speed they were doing aroused the attention of an off-duty policeman. Remember, they're never truly off-duty. He couldn't see the people in the car as they were going so fast and also the windows were tinted. But unaware the car had been involved in a murder, he noted down the car registration number and passed the details to colleagues working in Glasgow that night. This was invaluable as it meant the detectives were then able to track the route of the getaway vehicle using CCTV. After the murder, the Audi crossed the River Clyde to the north of the city across Kingston Bridge and then headed northeast to Springburn Road past McDonald's, where the inexperience of the getaway team again showed as they were caught on a speed camera. 
They then turned off into a residential street, Lee Hill Road in Colston, before speeding off again. Detectives felt that the gun used to kill EJ and mobile phones used to coordinate the attack and naturally would incriminate them were probably left at a safe house here. They carried out door-to-door inquiries and extensively searched gardens, but neither phones nor a gun were ever found. The car was later found about two miles away in Milton. It was burnt out, but once again, there were signs of inexperience as not all evidence had been destroyed. Forensic experts found a hoodie which had DNA from one of the men known to detectives and seen as a potential suspect. This was 33-year-old David Scott. CCTV had showed him wearing the top and a bullet casing was found that matched one found at the murder scene. David Scott was arrested and charged with murder, along with a second man believed to be the driver of the car, Anthony Ruthven. The case went to court. In May 2018, David Scott was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life imprisonment and told he must serve at least 22 years before he could even be considered for parole. 33-year-old Anthony Ruthven was cleared of murder during the trial when prosecutors dropped the charges against him. After the jury returned their verdict, the court was told that Scott had a number of previous convictions for carrying weapons and for violence. The judge told Scott, You coldly and deliberately cut a man's life short, leaving a grieving family. You carried this out in a public street and showed no regard to not only your victim but also to members of the public. The attack was a premeditated murderous assault which involved a lethal weapon. It has been correctly called an execution and was carried out in a public street. You have many convictions for crimes of violence. Scott showed absolutely no emotion at all as he was led away to the cells to begin his sentence. Once the trial was over, Ewan's mum thanked the police, saying, This is justice for Ewan. It's closure, but my life will never be the same again. I have to try and move on. It's like it's not real, like I've had a nightmare. And the lead detective, as we might expect, welcomed the verdict, saying, This was a pre-planned, cold-blooded murder of a young man in the middle of a busy area, and despite being targeted, was an act which was cowardly and without any regard for innocent bystanders. This type of violence involving illegal firearms will not be tolerated, and regardless of who is involved, no one should be on our streets discharging them. Organised crime is a serious issue that affects individuals, communities and businesses across Scotland. Our extensive investigation revealed to us that there was more than just one person at the scene of the shooting and we would ask anyone whose information may be useful to contact police. Any new information will be thoroughly investigated. Of course, David Scott appealed and lawyers acting for him argued that the trial judge messed up by rejecting a no case to answer submission at his trial. And they claimed that he suffered defective representation in relation to agreed evidence in the case. But the appeal judges weren't having any of it and threw out the appeal. Lord Matthews, who gave the court's decision, explained how the burning of an Audi Q5 vehicle shortly after the shooting in Glasgow allowed an inference to be drawn that those who set fire to it were attempting to destroy it because it had been used in the crime. Makes sense, doesn't it? He added, 
The DNA evidence provides a very powerful basis for the conviction. And even if the joint minute of agreement had not been entered into, we are led to the view that there is no real possibility that the verdict would have been different. And so with the appeal in the bin, that is all we should have heard about David Scott for a long while as he quietly served his time in jail. But unfortunately, he soon hit the headlines again for three particularly nasty attacks carried out behind bars. So let's briefly look at each of them in turn. One of the most notorious and feared crime families in Glasgow were the Lions. But during visiting time at Perth Prison on the 10th of December 2019, Scott attacked Paul Lyons during a busy visiting time. 39-year-old Lyons was in prison for a road rage attack that left an innocent man dead. But Scott raced towards him and slashed Lyons, making contact near a vital artery in his neck in front of shocked families, including children. He was lucky to survive the attack another inch or so and he might have bled to death. Scott then screamed, Paul Lyons is a grass and his whole family are grasses. A razor blade attached to melted plastic was later found in the visiting room and Scott admitted he brought it with him from a previous prison. Quite how? I'm unsure, are you? Lyons, as you may expect, being a professional criminal, refused to speak to police or comment in any way. But weeks earlier, Scott had carried out another particularly gruesome attack at a prison in Edinburgh. This time he attacked another prisoner in his cell, with the prosecuting QC describing it as follows. His injuries reveal that he was struck with a knife and a hot water and sugar solution thrown at him. His right ear was cut off. Cut off! The victim was discovered by prison staff lying in a pool of blood and Scott said to them, you're going to need some medical expertise in there. And the third attack was a prison officer and Scott pleaded guilty to assaulting him in Perth prison on the 4th of May 2020. This incident was again captured on the CCTV. Scott didn't have much luck with CCTV, did he? Not much awareness. Scott punched the officer, which led to him stumbling and badly hurting his hand. He was off work for a number of weeks as a result of his injuries. Scott's QC said the following as he tried to defend his client. As a result of his conviction for murder, he became a person of interest to other people within the prison system. It's a highly charged atmosphere, and those involved in the first two charges, that was Lyons and the prisoner now missing an ear, were people who, it is believed, bore ill will to Mr. Scott due to the conviction. Crudely, this can be described as preemptive. During this trial, the court also heard that Scott continues to deny murdering Ewan Johnson. For these three attacks, Scott will spend another eight years in prison. It would have been 12 if it wasn't for his guilty pleas, and it means he's going to be in prison for a long, long time. So what do you make of what we've heard today? Do you have any sympathy for Ewan Johnson? Or do you think that if you're involved in that business, the drugs business, you know the potential risks that go with the rewards? Oh, I can see both sides, but I was particularly moved by his mum who humanised the story for me. After all, he was just a 26-year-old dad, leaving his partner and two young children behind. Look, I'm not one to lecture anyone on the choices they make and how they 
earn money. We all make our own decisions. And whilst I thought of being in the drugs business and always looking over my shoulder and having to face the door in a bar or restaurant isn't for me for one moment, I can get how some are attracted to it. And what of David Scott? Again, I'm no expert in the politics of surviving in a tough jail. But I would have thought that attacking one of the Lions family was not a great move. Like punching a prison officer, why would you do that? Surely these actions are not going to make your time in prison any easier, but harder. He's now going to be in his mid-60s when he gets out, if he ever gets out, that is. It seems like a terrible waste of life, doesn't it? But as we've heard today, with this level of violence, he isn't the sort of guy you would like to live next door to, is he? And when he chose, for whatever reason, to be part of a plot where he would shoot a man on a road in the centre of Glasgow, well, he too, he might not be the brightest, but he must have been well aware of the likely repercussions of his actions. I suppose my final thoughts are that for many people at the lower end of organised crime, it surely just isn't worth it. You're not making much money, you're at risk of extreme violence and death, and frankly, the work it must be pretty dull and unrewarding, don't you think? Sure, some love the fact they get respect for being a gangster and all the rest of it. But frankly, most of these lower-level people would surely enjoy their lives more if they just got a normal job, wouldn't they? Let's finish today, as always, by passing our sympathy to the friends and family of Ewan Johnson. Whatever your view on how he chose to live his life, it's those who loved him who are now suffering from his death. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me on this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story and any other aspect of UK True Crime, please head to Facebook and join almost 92,000 of us who talk UK True Crime 24-7. Come and join us. And to support the show, please do head to patreon.com slash UK True Crime for bonus episodes and loads of exclusive content, including very soon the mandatory Christmas competition. There have been two full-length bonus episodes released this week, so come and join us and take a listen. A huge thank you to the latest members of this community. That's Kate, Jane Grit and William Dougie. Thank you all so much. Your support is so much appreciated. If you're not supporting me yet at Patreon, please come and join our community at patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime and help me continue to release free weekly content. I promise not to produce a branded mug or keyring. Can't be fairer than that. Okay, so that's all for me, the host of the UK's 37th most popular true crime podcast for another week. If you can, please do support my sponsor, Aura Frames. It's a really good product and it keeps advertisers spending some money with independent podcasters like me who does it all on his own. So until we speak again next week, keep that towel handy, keep away from the Kings of Leon, and take it easy. And remember, despite all the others, stay classy. Cheerio for now.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.